0: Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. This episode is about two cars, and one of them sounds like this. popping and crackling then that's the sound of the car that I'm in at the moment it's actually got a button on it which allows me to turn off the through flowing exhaust option hang on let me turn that off because it might be a bit distracting because I'm driving this car around trying to look inconspicuous in West Derby in Liverpool and it's very hard trying to look inconspicuous when you're in a white Jaguar F-Type convertible R yeah it's the V8 supercharged version of the F-Type and it's the all-wheel drive one at that and buy my trousers I don't think I have ever had command of a machine quite as agile as this. I've driven some very, very capable Mercedes, as you know, from the AMG part of their universe. That C-Class Coupe AMG that I drove was incredible. The Black Series, which I drove on motorways in Europe and on a circuit, the faster that thing went the less dramatic it was it just planted itself I'm competing with the sound of a truck now I know you can hear it on my left hand side what I'm driving truly is a sports car I think Jaguar have spec this thing to the max it's about 550 PS the amount of power this thing creates and I can't see how the two-wheel drive version of this if it exists could even put that power down I think the all-wheel drive option as they call it all-wheel drive on this is a very smart idea when this car arrived I knew I had a bit of a journey to do I had to go from London to Darlington in the northeast so when I first got the car I took off up to Yorkshire to spend the night there so I had a morning driving around some open roads in Yorkshire in this car and wow yeah that's all wow like i said it's very hard to remain discreet in this car it's seldom that i drive a car and people literally spin on their heels when they see it and little boys gasp it has all the elements of jaguarness about it you know it's feline it's sensual and it is brutally gorgeous Personally, I think the back end is the best bit. Well done, Ian Callum and his team. And it's not as big a car as the old E-Type was. It's quite a lot short, although it's very wide. I don't know what the figures are. But it doesn't feel like a big car. It really feels like a sports car. And I think I've made up my mind about sports cars as well. For a car truly to be a sports car, it must have no roof. Controversial, I know. I know you need a roof for the safety side of it. But... A true sports car is something that you sit in, I think, with a helmet on and you're in the air passing through it like an LMP1 driver or a Formula 1 driver. It's motoring in extremis. What I forget about open-top driving, and it's been a little while since I did some, it was the Volkswagen Beetle cabriolet I drove last time, is that you smell where you are when you're open-top driving. It's hysterical you drive through the countryside you go past some fields and the fields oh you can smell the hops or, or the rapeseed or very distinctive flavours And you know that's a benefit of motoring in an open top car that you get that I don't know if you've ever read Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance there's a wonderful passage in that book about how riding a motorbike is different to experiencing the world in a car or on a motorbike wearing a helmet because when you're in a car, you see everything through a frame, almost as if it's a picture or a movie. So you psychologically, subconsciously, separate yourself from the experience. It's the same with a helmet, you're not in the environment, you're protected and isolated from that environment by the helmet and the visor. But in an open top car, Yes, you've got a windscreen in front of you that frames everything, but otherwise you're exposed, you're in the environment. And that's a quite a healthy thing to do, I think, to actually visit the world that we inhabit rather than tunnel our way through it, which is what we tend to do with our air conditioning and fully closed cars. It's very hard to broadcast and drive a car at the same time, despite the fact that I've got sat nav here. I've turned the command system off so it doesn't distract. I just realised I've got to do a U turn here. Let's see if I can do it discreetly. This thing doesn't have the greatest turning circle in the world. I've noticed on a couple of occasions whilst maneuvering around. That's alright. How'd you like me overrun? Pop crackle, pop, crackle. I've noticed a couple of times that the steering locking for car parks, you do struggle, you have to take a second bite of the cherry, but it's a good compromise for a car which has such wonderful steering. I think it's the steering about this car. It's what I like the best. It's a big competition between the most incredible supercharged powertrain and the most wonderful steering. And this has a bit of torque vectoring, I believe, as well. This car will move the power around all four corners to compensate for how you drive, so it makes idiots like me better drivers. I was trying to explain this car in detail to a friend of mine who doesn't know about cars but knows about video games. And i described this car as being... I've played the game long enough that I've earned so many bonus points But I've levelled up many, many, many times. And in fact, I am now completely OP. If you follow video games, you'll know what that means. This car is very OP. But I'm very happy with that. I try and read up on the car before I drive it. It's not always possible. I believe that the spec of this car was 176mph top speed. I had imagined wrong The correct top speed is 186 miles per hour. I've got nowhere near that. I've stayed entirely legal. But what I've learned about this car is that you spend very little time accelerating. Because its accelerative qualities are so pronounced, to go from 30 to 70 takes a matter of a couple of seconds rather than a long thrust. So you're generally very happy just to drive around quietly on the cruise control and then when you need, ping off and then you can slow down again because the amount of ground that you make up in the time you're accelerating, it's like folding space, it just puts you there. Now, I'm about to do a bit of motorway driving now, with the roof off, which won't be very pleasant for your ears. So when I find a quieter bit of road later on, I'll tell you the story of what it's been like to drive this car for the last week. But first, something else happened while I was out in this car. I was up in Darlington doing the Tommy Cooper show... Um, I had a day off before I needed to be in St. Helens to do the Tommy Cooper show again. And on that day off, in Darlington, was the launch of a new Renault. So I decided to take the recorder and this car to that launch to drive a very different car to this one. Rockcliffe Hall is a very quiet, place apart from the wind as i speak blowing a renault banner which is hanging as i drove into this place there are lots of renault flags blowing in the wind telling journalists who have arrived here that they've come to the right location and there i was feeling very smug driving here in my f-type r and parked it Right next to another white F-Type (laughs) R with a red roof rather than a black roof. And I think the black roof probably looks a bit smarter than the red one. But I'm now in something that has a slightly different sound to the F-Type. Listen to this, it's a little diesel. I've come to the launch of the Renault Kajar and I've been given a car to drive for the next couple of hours. Let's see what I can learn about this car. It's always quite a challenge. Calculation. Okay. Take the next right. Then turn Hmm? right. Take the next sharp left. Really? Okay, make up your mind. You know when you arrive at an airport and you've got a hire car and it's an unfamiliar car and you don't know exactly where you're going and you're orienting to a new car with a slightly different control layout to that which you're used to. And coming on a car launch is very much like that. You turn up. If you're lucky, you get a briefing. If you're not, like I am today, you just simply, turn left. OK, you simply get in the car and uh, expect it to be able to drive it. So I'm adapting from being in a 500 brake horsepower V8 supercharged convertible to a little diesel and a car which stands at least twice, probably three times as high as the car I was just driving. There is a whole range of cars here in the new Kajar range, and I was given the option: do I want the 110 or the 130? And I thought, in the interest of contrast, let's go for the 110, the lesser-powered of the two Renault Kijars available at the moment. This one has nav and has a manual gearbox, which seems to work. This car, it's based on the new Nissan Qashqai, because, as you know, the Renault-Nissan evil alliance, they're not evil they are just an alliance, share platforms, and that means that whatever Renault do, Nissan can do, and whatever Nissan can do, Renault can do, to a lesser or greater extent. You know, it's a surprise, going from something as terrifyingly top-spec as the Jag, to going to something that is, you know, I don't wish to be cruel, but to describe it as mundane, would be reasonable. This is a mundane car, you know it's useful, I don't think it's four wheel drive, I think you'll find this one's just front wheel drive with a pleasant enough little engine that is the sort of thing that most of us drive these days it's seldom that we get to drive V8s anymore and it's very rare that you get to drive a V8 with a supercharger most of the time we're beetling around in petrol or diesel four cylinder engines, so that's a far more important car to take a measure of for Gareth Jones on speed than a big five-litre super show-off engine. So, how is this car? Well, I'm gonna stop recording, drive it for a little bit, learn about it, then I'll tell you. When you're in a car launch like this, you're given a set route that you can drive which is pre-programmed into the sat-nav. The car manufacturers do this so they can find a peaceful, quiet bit of road where not only can you drive the car in various forms, you know, on A roads, B roads and a bit of motorway perhaps, but also where there's very little traffic around because journalists driving new cars, need to stop occasionally to take pictures and do that sort of thing and drive the car a little more enthusiastically than most people just going from A to B and we've been taking I'm on a route which will take me sort of North Allerton way up in the northeast and it's very nice and quiet around here. OK, first thing you notice. Do you remember Chris his name? He used to be on Top Gear a 1,000 years ago, whose son was the drummer in Supergrass. Chris his name, who was on Top Gear a 1,000 years ago, whose son was in Supergrass, always used to start reports on old Top Gear with, the first thing you notice. I've got a beard and I'm wearing a jumper. That wasn't what we had to notice, but he would always talk about the first thing he noticed when he got in the car. And the first thing I noticed in this car is the Speedo. Which is an LCD, or I don't know, Super Moy LED, whatever they call it. A virtual screen. There are no moving parts in front of me. I've got a great big number 58, telling me that I do 58 miles per hour in a 60 mile per hour zone and around that is a virtual representation of a speedo which is quite nice it's not too bad i'm not a huge fan of virtual speedos i remember driving a jag xj that had one a few years ago and it's okay but it just looks to me a little like an action transfer or a sticker of a speedo and that lacking the 3d relief stops it from looking like beautiful jewelry Perhaps there's a lesson to be taken from Apple because Apple have got some very nice, glossy looking displays on their Apple Watch, haven't they? That look like all sorts of different types of timekeeping pieces. Uh, maybe that's a better way to go, but this it looks a bit little to me. Do you know what I mean? It looks a bit Korean interface we can do better than that it's okay it's fine it's perfectly clear it's absolutely legible but just lacks a little flair car's good i chucked it round a couple of wiggly bits a moment ago and was genuinely surprised at how little the thing rolled it's quite a tall car it should roll more than it does and being a renault renault's tend to roll quite nicely if you're going to buy a car and you're a family person these days, you'd like an MPV for the volume, but you probably end up getting what we used to call a crossover. A car like this, which has high ride and a lot of the uh, stuff that you find on a 4x4 four four without being a 4x4. Four four. You know, it's a 4x4 four four light. And as you've heard us say on Gareth Jones on Speed a number of times in the past, most people don't need 4x4s. Four they might like a high-riding vehicle, but a bit of ground clearance for when they go in the field or looking over hedges, but you just don't need to carry around a heavy 4x4 four four drivetrain unless you are going to use it. And that usually means when you've got a surfeit of power, an excess of power, or you're towing something or going off road or you live in Iceland or halfway up a Swiss Alp can you hear me changing gear in this car it's a narrow 6 speed gearbox and I know I'm old fashioned With the loss of the time I think you don't need a 6 speed manual gearbox it just means you change gear more often You know, a good torquey engine with a good torque spread that can cope with 5 gears is I always think a better thing for a user than a six-speed and also with a six-speed you've got quite a narrow gate this has quite a narrow gate i've adapted now to the gearbox but it took me a couple of changes perhaps some clumsy journalists have been stirring the pot and made it a bit lumpy does that actually happen can you abuse a gearbox these days it seems fine what am i talking about take the fourth exit the fourth exit okay this is a lovely little uh sort of town square that I'm going round at the moment. Don't, don't ask me the name of the village. Let's see if I can tell you. we on the main road after 340 yards. Why near Moulton? Two and a half miles from Moulton. I'm afraid I don't know the name of that to little village. Oh, really? Have I gone the wrong way? I'm always going the wrong way. That's because I'm recording a programme as well as driving and. Navigating and trying to understand this car that I'm in. It is a willing little engine. I was talking about alternatives, wasn't I? I'm reminded I just spent 10 days in Spain on holiday, and so I rented a car, and the car I got wasn't the car that I ordered, but I was very happy with it, because it was technically an upgrade. It was what we call the Vauxhall Zafira, but what they call the Opel Zafira, which had the 2-litre petrol engine which was a good little engine it was all right nice and smooth but the handling of that car was abysmal really it was sloppy joe all over the place and so I did the wise thing like a proper driver that's pulled into a petrol station and put some proper air in the tires never imagine that your rental car has been prepared properly You know, you might want to check those things yourself. So I put the air pressures right. And it did make a huge difference to the handling of the car. But it doesn't feel as controlled, I'd say, as this. Which is quite a surprise, really. You know, people often buy a 4x4 because they think it's the sporting option. Because it's got the bigger wheels. It looks more sporting, And when you've got a lot of body big wheels can balance the look of the car and I think that's why a lot of people choose these crossovers over MPVs with slab sides and little wheels but actually despite the fact that this is quite a tall car and quite big wheels you'll have to read the spec yourself you probably know more about this car than I do at this moment, I'm in Moulton here by the way keep left on the main road after 300 yards Okay. And this car is holding it together quite nicely. I haven't really pushed it, because you can't really, with a little 110 PS engine. Not in something as large as this. But as the car in front of me peels away, I think I might just have a bit of a drive. Oh, it says no through route to the A1 here. Good, because I'm not going to the A1. Let's see what it drives like again. (laughs) followed my nose a bit went down a road which was closed so i had to turn around i turned around in a farmyard and parked in the farmyard was the farmer's car get this a tesla model s how interesting i guess he's charging at home there's a farmer who has been green in every way you know apart from growing green stuff He's driving a green car. Some people might say that electric cars aren't as green as we perceive them to be because they still burn fossil fuels, of course, but they don't do it in the middle of cities. So that will help the environment in that way. You know all that. But blimey, two interesting cars I've seen in the last ten minutes because as I set off down this road, the first car I passed was a Mini. A proper Mini, that is. You know, an Austin Rover Mini. In Mr Bean Lime Green, as I passed it, I realised the bonnet was matte black as well. It's completely... Here we are in the town of Moulton, or Moulton, I don't know how you say it. Moulton, Moulton. And, Keep right on the main road, and I think 300 yards. I'm going to pass the Mini again. There it is. That is a dead ringer, a G-registration Mini. With the Mister Bean colours and the big old padlock on the door, how wonderful! Where is Rowan Atkinson from? Isn't he from round here, possibly? I don't know. I seem to remember he has some connection with T's Television, right. and we're in that part of the world more or less. But I doubt if that is actually his car, because you know you'd park it quietly in a shed somewhere with your Lancia Delta Integrale and your collection of Bentleys so or whatever it is the mighty Rowan Atkinson drives but how do I like the car yeah I like the car I like the car this engine's great it's a very light car this because that won't be the most exciting engine in the world if it's only 110 PS but sufficient to whistle this thing along very nicely and it's nice to have a willing engine matched to a box that you can learn and live with yeah what's the plastic like inside actually it feels a bit softer than it looks there's a paradox often you get really brittle plastics that look like it but it looks a bit brittle but it isn't brittle it's quite soft in in, in impact testing with my knuckles the ride this car well floaty but of course everything's going to be floaty after that F type R is it so floaty that I don't feel the cars responding to me not at all Is there any wiggle on the steering? No, there's no gap around the middle. It's pretty taut. It's not a bad place to be in here. It certainly feels spacious. It's a bigger car than I imagined it was going to be. You will arrive at waypoint on the left after a quarter of a mile. A waypoint is set in by the car manufacturers who want you to follow a certain route and make sure you stick to it. But this sat just said something to me that no SatNav has ever said before. It said, Turn left before the petrol station. Reached a on the left. How marvellous! It seems to know where petrol stations are. I've never heard a SatNav say that before. I also had a SatNav say something to me I've never heard before when I was driving that VW Amarok down towards the south coast. A few months ago, I was on the motorway, is it the uh, M27? The SatNav said, stay on this road for a very long time. <laughs> I think SatNavs ought to be imbued with a bit more personality. They ought to be allowed to tell us that, stay on this road for far too long, probably more than you need to go, because you'll probably need to have a wee soon. You know, really, that'd be a happier world if SatNavs were more human, wouldn't it? Do you know what, apart from vans, this is probably the biggest Renault you can buy in the UK at the moment. Do you remember a few years ago Renault said that they were going to concentrate on smaller cars and electric cars and they brought out that Renault Fluence which was pretty quickly forgotten and the Twingo which chugs away quietly, people buy that, more in Europe than in the UK and of course the Renault Zoe which is a fab car and in terms of styling a much prettier car than the Nissan Leaf which it shares technology with so the fact that Renault don't make the Laguna in right hand drive form for the UK anymore or indeed the Espace means that the Scenic and the Kajar are the biggest things you can buy and this feels like a biggish car, it really does I'm just looking around it, that back seat does seem to be some distance away from where I am it's a deceptively large car when I was in Spain recently I saw the new Renault Espace parked in a car rental car park didn't get a chance to walk around it because i was picking up a car at the time but wish i had a chance to study it i was genuinely shocked you only see a car that you recognize but haven't seen before in the flesh it gets your attention what a big bold car that is and such a shame that it's not available in the uk and again it's quite crossover-y is that even a word it's got some of the qualities of a 4x4 about it but it is an MPV and a very successful merging of those two things. Not unlike the old Mercedes R-Class which is one of the few cars which combines MPV body size with big wheels to make something that looks voluminous and capable at the same time. I wish we had the new Espace. In the meantime I'll have this. This has got a lot of the Renault styling cues about it at the moment that absolutely massive Renault diamond that's on the front and the huge grille, it is very imposing and very chrome as well, chrome's back isn't that funny, in the 80s chrome went away and everyone said oh chrome will be back and chrome's been back since I think Audi started putting grilles on cars again and that really cemented it, now everyone's got lots of chrome on their grill, apart from Jaguar, who are going for the borderless grill thing at the moment which is interesting the fucking tradition that's it for the moment if you want to know my conclusion about the Renault Kajar and you want to hear the full, fruity, glorious living colour sound of the Jaguar F-Type R all-wheel drive, then join me for part 2 of A Tale of Two Cars in the next episode of Gareth Jones on Speed, published 48 hours after this one. See you there. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whiz Bang. Gareth Jones on Speed!